0: Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher and that he will lead us into all truth because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It was Sunday morning and the it was in a like an old Anglican church where the pulpit was raised up and the pastor had to walk up the stairs to get to the pulpit. This particular Sunday morning, as he walked up the stairs and got halfway up, he thought back over the past week. It had been a really busy one. There had been lots of pastoral visits he'd had to make. There were hospital visits. He'd had to chair so many meetings. There was the midweek prayer and Bible studying. There were so many administrative tasks this past week that he really hadn't had as much time to spend on his sermon preparation as he would normally have had. He later said halfway up the stairs Jesus met me and he said is that the best you could do for me this week? That sermon that's in your hand The pastor said, I thought back over the busyness of the week and I said, yes, Lord, it is the best I can do. The pastor said, that morning, Jesus took that poor thing and it was a trumpet in his hands. Why was it so? It was because the pastor was giving God his best It was because he was not relying upon his own skills of presentation or elocutionary, but he was relying on God to take that message and bring it to the hearts of the people. And as a result, God blessed it. In our churches, January is generally a rest month. Our church activities are in recess and generally don't recommence till February. January is a month for refreshing ourselves in the Word of God and preparing ourselves for the new year of ministry that is before us. As such, Psalm 127 is a good one for us to consider this morning as it provides us with instructions for ministry. It begins, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labour in vain. The emphasis, the focus, the central point is upon the Lord and not upon the skills of the builder. Psalm 127 is headed... A psalm of ascent. There are 15 psalms of ascent ranging from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. Four of them are attributed to David, ten are anonymous, and one, Psalm 127, is attributed to Solomon. Now, there is some speculation as to what a psalm of ascent, really was. It could have been a song that God's people sang as they walked to Jerusalem for one of the three main feasts each year. Jerusalem was up on a hill and so they had to ascend it or walk up it. And so it could have been a song of ascent. Also, the Jewish priest are thought to have sung some of these songs as they ascended the 15 steps up to the temple in Jerusalem. But whatever its origins, Psalm 127 is certainly a psalm that speaks to us about service and about ministry for the Lord. It's a psalm that gives us good advice and good instructions and so it begins unless the Lord builds the house its builders labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city the watchmen stand guard in vain you see the ministry that God has given to us the opportunities we have of serving him are not dependent on on our own strength, our own abilities, our own gifts. Because our gifts are just that, given to us to use for the Lord in the extension of his kingdom. We certainly need to always do the best we can, but not to rely upon our own abilities. Several of the old hymns take up this theme. You may remember the hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. One of the verses say, Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. And Martin Luther's great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, says, Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? Just ask who that may be? Christ Jesus. It is He. And so it is that this psalm reminds us that ultimately our dependence for our service for the Lord, our ministry for Him, is upon Him. We give Him what we have to offer. We place it in his hands and like the little boy with the loaves and fishes. Then we stand back and see it expand and multiply and be used in feeding of many. Now, one of my tasks as chairman of the Combined Churches of Liverpool is to organise a pastor, a local Christian church pastor, to open each Liverpool Council meeting in prayer. I go to each Council meeting to support whoever is opening in prayer. And every time I walk into the Council chambers, this is what I see. It's the coat of arms of Liverpool Council. It says, the City of Liverpool... And down here is the motto, Nisi Dominus Frustra. And the council translate that as an abbreviation of Psalm 127, verse 1. Without God, all is vain. But if you look at it, Nisi, without, Dominus, God, Frustra, from which we get the word frustration and so it might also be translated without god frustration and that certainly will be so in our ministry for the lord if we depend upon our own strength despite his christian upbringing the young man 15 years old woke up one morning A Sunday morning in 1850 and he had a real sense of his own sinfulness. He was on his way to church but a terrific snowstorm came up and so he decided to walk down a lane and there was another church and he went inside. The church was the primitive Methodist chapel at Artillery Street Newtown in England the weather had been so bad that only a handful of worshippers had turned up and they were sitting right down the front even the speaker hadn't turned up that morning and so a lay preacher was asked to get up and speak but he wasn't prepared either he was expecting the person who was allocated the job to turn up. However, he opened his Bible to Isaiah 45:22, And there he read, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Yes, he would have been reading from the King James, Now he had not come along prepared and because of that it compelled him to keep reciting the text and over and over look unto me and be ye saved. He saw the young man sitting up the back who'd come in out of the cold and out of the snow and he said young man you look very miserable this morning look to Jesus look to him look and live. The unknown preacher could have said to the congregation, hey, look, there's only a few of us here today. It's freezing cold. Why don't we all go home? We'll cancel church today. We can go home and sit in front of our fires and keep warm and read our Bibles. But he didn't. He gave God his best and left God to do the rest. And God did. Because God spoke to the heart of that 15-year-old teenager that morning. His name, C.H. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who became one of the great preachers of, uh, in Europe and in America and was responsible for many, many people coming to faith in Christ. But as that teenager walked home that morning, he later said, and as the snow fell on my road home from the little house of prayer, I thought every snowflake talked to me and told me of the pardon I had found for I was white as the driven snow. It's good that that lay preacher gave his best and trusted God to do the rest. But years and years later, C.H. Spurgeon would write, don't hold back because you can't preach in St. Paul's. Be content to talk to one or two in a cottage. You may cook in small pots as well as in big ones. Little pigeons can carry great messages. Even a little dog can bark at a thief, wake up the master and save the house. Do what you do right thoroughly, pray over it heartily and leave the results to God. I thought that was great when I first read it. Don't hold back because you can't preach in St Paul's. Be content to talk to one or two in a cottage do what you do right thoroughly, pray over it heartily and leave the results to God. This leads us to the next part of our psalm for it then goes on, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows for he gives his beloved sleep. What keeps you awake at night? What makes you wake up early in the morning for me yeah somebody says worry 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 (laughs) worry concern anxiety sometimes for me i just mull over what i did this day i want to be the best i can be for god was i and what about tomorrow the things i've got to do tomorrow and i try to plan them and think of them And then I remember the words of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be not anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hudson Pope abbreviated that whole verse to this, be anxious for nothing, be prayerful for everything. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for he gives his beloved sleep. John Piper, commenting on this verse, says, no matter how hard you work to achieve anything, God has lifted off your back the final responsibility for your success and God can accomplish more good for those who trust him while they sleep than they can accomplish by anxiousness and worry while awake. Again, the focus is on God and not upon ourselves. We are to do our best but not worry and be anxious about it, but to leave the results to God. Not to fret, not to worry, not to be anxious, not to stay awake at night, but to place in God's hands what we do for him and leave the results and the outcomes to him. A couple of months ago, Rita and I travelled up to Moor with 135 Christmas boxes that the ladies at West Hoxton had put together to give to the children of Maureen. So we drove up there and uh, we met up with uh, the missionaries who were working there amongst the Aboriginal people and we handed over all these Christmas boxes. There was hardly any room left in the car for Rita and I. But we handed them over. We went down by the riverbank with Paul and Erin, the missionaries there, and uh, another young couple. And uh, we had dinner on the banks of the Mihai River. The children were splashing around in the shallows. As we began our dinner, a young lady appeared and she said, look, I wonder if you can help me. My friend and I, another girl, they were backpackers, she said, we've, we were wanting to come down and have a look at the river and we've bogged our van in the sand on the other side of the river. Is there any chance you can help us? Well, Paul and uh, Caleb put their meals aside and they said, we'll come and see what we can do. So I jumped up and jumped in the back of the four-wheel drive and tagged along to see what was going to happen. When we got over there, that van was well and truly bogged in the sand Ah, to think that they uh, had driven right into soft sand anyway Paul and Caleb uh, stripped their shirts off and got underneath and dug sand from under the van and then they got some big pieces of bark and they put it under the wheels and with a tow rope from the back of the van to the front of the four-wheel drive they towed Slowly, it came right out. In thanking them, one of the girls said, it's really nice to meet up with country people who are prepared to give you a hand when you get into trouble. Paul smiled and he said, well, we're Christians. So that gives us an even greater reason to help people in need. He invited the girls back to where we were camped for a meal that his wife had made uh, but they decided not to come and uh, we said goodbye and then as we drove over the bridge to get back to the other side Paul said, I didn't preach them a sermon I just gave them something to think about. That Christians are people who care. And he left the outcomes to God. To maybe indelibly imprint in those girls' minds, Christians care. Bob Lamont says, At the end of the day, your church can have great music, amazing, passionate preachers, raise the roof, prayer times. But when all is said and done, Do you as a church love one another? A heartfelt love? Walk the extra mile love? Sit beside a broken person love? But Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. It is our trademark. It is by what we are known. And now we come to the last part of the psalm sons are a heritage from the Lord children a reward from him like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them they will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies at the gate now those of us who have children and grandchildren will readily admit that they can be a real joy to us. Children bring us great pleasure and are a real blessing to us. The word says there, happy is the person who has their quiver full of them. Verse 5, they will support him when he contends with his enemies at the gate of the city. But what of those who do not marry? What of those who do not have children? Are they lacking in blessing from God? Not at all. God has special blessings for them in other ways that those with children do not have. However, we are looking at this psalm from a ministry point of view. And you know, there will be those who give themselves absolutely wholeheartedly to serving the Lord. They are diligent, they pray much and they see wonderful results. They see many people come to the Lord through their ministry. They have a quiver full of spiritual children, those they have led to the Lord. But there will be those who work just as hard at Dutch just as diligently, who pray just as much and will see little results for their labour. Their quiver appears empty. We need to remind ourselves that we are not results-driven, but we are obedience-driven. 2 Corinthians 5.14 reminds us why we serve the Lord. For Christ's love compels us. Rita and I were in a church at uh, Christmas over at Parramatta and we were looking at Bible verses they had uh, on plaques all around the hall. And one of them said, and it sort of wasn't quite scripture, but it might have been a free translation of this verse. It said, Christ's love impels us. As I thought about it, I thought, isn't that good? Christ's love does compel us and the word impel means to thrust forward and Christ's love does impel us to share his love with others. Zephaniah 3.16 says, Do not let your hands hang limp. Galatians 6.9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So our task, whether it's a church-related ministry, whether it's a ministry to our family, a ministry to our neighbours, whatever it is, let's keep our light shining for the Lord. Let's keep setting an example. Let's keep praying. Let's actively love people and diligently reach out to those who God has given us to minister to. Don't become weary. Don't let your hands hang limp. Don't fret about the results, but leave them to God. We read this morning from Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, one of the things I do is each Tuesday during the year, as a mission rep, I attend SMBC, Sydney Missionary and Bible College. And recently at Ministry Matters, I listened to a missionary couple uh, who were on furlough from Afghanistan. He works in internet technology and she is a psychiatrist. And uh, they are missionaries, but they would only be allowed to enter the country if they had some life skills with which they could assist the people. They said, sometimes our supporters ask, how many people have you led to Christ? They expect results. They have expectations of us. And this couple replied, our task, is to conduct ourselves in our everyday lives in a way that gives us credibility, otherwise we devalue our message. I thought that was good. Here I was in the front row writing it down. To conduct ourselves in our everyday lives in a way that gives us credibility, otherwise we devalue our message. And then they told a story of a local man in Afghanistan who was imprisoned for becoming a Christian and refusing to renounce Christ. An American journalist heard about it and decided to see if he could get permission to interview the man to do a human relations article for his newspaper. He asked the man, when he got to see him in the prison, how was it possible that he had become a Christian in Afghanistan. And the man replied that next to him was a house in which a family lived with a couple of children. During the Civil War, a bomb hit that house and blew it apart. He knew that the parents were in at the market buying food and there were two children there. The place was reduced to rubble, except for a couple of parts of the wall still standing. And as he looked out his window, he saw two foreigners, two foreign ladies, come and start digging through the rubble, looking for the children. The local people just stood around. And they said to the ladies, Stop that. It's dangerous. It's hopeless. The children would have been killed and those walls could fall on you at any time. But the ladies refused to listen. They kept working hard, trying to move the rubble to see if there was any sign of the children. Finally, the authorities came along and ordered them to stop. And Afghanistan is a country in which you do not disobey the authorities. And so reluctantly... They stopped. He said, I was impressed by these two ladies and I went and inquired about them. He said, I wanted to know why they did this when the locals didn't bother. And he said, I found that they were Christians. And he said, I wanted to find out more. I found out what a Christian was. And he said, I surrendered my life to Christ, even though it meant when I was found out in prison. And so the article was written in the newspaper. A mission, a mission chairman read the article in the newspaper and decided to find out who those ladies were. If they were Christians, there was a fair chance they were missionaries. So he inquired of other missionaries working in Afghanistan and he found their names. They were missionaries. They were now retired. He went and visited them and spoke to them and said, do you remember your time in Afghanistan? And they said, yes, that was a failure. Nobody listened to us. Nobody came to Christ. It was a complete waste of time. And then he said, do you remember that day when the bomb hit that house And you dug in the rubble? And they said, yes, we did. That was a bit of a waste of time too. And then the mission chairman told them of the man who had observed them through the window of the house next door and how because of what they were doing it led him to commit his life to Christ. Their lives hadn't been a waste. They just didn't know the whole story. Christ urges us to begin this new year of service and ministry for him. To live our lives in a way that gives credibility to the gospel. So that when we have opportunities of sharing Christ with others, of telling them about him, that because of our lives, like those two ladies, because of our lives, they will want to know more. You know, we are not called to be successful as the world views success. The world has expectations. The world wants numbers. The world wants results, outcomes are a word that is often used today. God calls us to be faithful in the task he has given us and to leave the outcomes to him. So we won't always see results for our labours, but don't let that deter us. Isaiah 55, reminds us that God says, my word shall not return to me void or empty, but shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And another good verse, one that we should all memorize, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. May God bless you all here at Liverpool Baptist in this year ahead as you serve him, as you engage in ministry for him. Do it faithfully